Let's open our Bibles to 119th Psalm, taught in our last lesson down through verse 144. So we pick up with verse 145, if you will. And this particular section, these eight verses, might be titled, Effectual Praying. Effectual Praying. And notice verse 145. We see how David prayed here. It says, I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. David recalled some of his past experiences and answered prayer, and he can depend upon God to answer those prayers that he now would be voicing. He says, I cried with my whole heart. So we we look back to the past when God has answered our prayers, and we continue to pray, and then dedicate ourselves to be obedient and submissive. So he says, with my whole heart. This is how he prayed. First of all, with my whole heart. The Bible says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know, I always uh, feel that I'm uh, not praying as fervently or as, uh, I don't know, some way I want to pray more effectively when I pray. I realize that, uh, you know, God's not way up in the heavens as if you have to reach Him up there. He's right here. And sometimes we think that He's so far off and our mentality takes us beyond our reach and they think well I hope God's hearing well he's promised to be near in fact we'll find it that in the, before we get through this particular section that he is near to all that call upon him and then we find that with pleading David said I cried with my whole heart cried means that he was pleading the Bible says with all prayer and supplication in the spirit in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18 So praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And then the last part of this verse, he says, I will keep thy statutes. His will was submissive. Jesus said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. It's it's good for us to be submissive when we're praying. So that's how he prayed. And then what did he pray for? Look at verse 146. He says, I cried unto thee, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. He needed divine aid. He needed deliverance. Psalm 60, verse 11 says, Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. You know, when we look at situations that are beyond our control, vain is the help of man, isn't it? Man cannot do the things that we need done. If they could, we would have them done. But they're beyond our control. So we look to God. He says in that Psalm, let me give it to you again, 60, verse 11, Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. So he needed divine aid. And then the last part of that verse, it says, And I shall keep thy testimonies. He promised to be obedient to God. Did you know promised obedience and actual obedience brings a great blessing from God? To obey, Samuel said to Saul, is better than sacrifice. And to hearken in the fat of rams than offering all kinds of rams upon the altar. To obey is better. In the book of Joshua chapter 1, let me read this for you. Verses 7 and 8, as uh, God gives his charge to Joshua after the death of Moses, uh, God's servant, in verse 1 and verse 7 says, Only be thou strong and very courageous. He's giving this to, to, to Joshua. That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. That means strict obedience to God's word, doesn't it? That thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. 
The law of God, the word of God should be our constant meditation and continuous meditation. Day and night, that thou mayest observe to do. Here's obedience. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. People want to know the secret of success. It's obedience to God. The secret, secret to prosperity, obedience to God. Now then, success and prosperity is not usually as the world sees it either. Success is when God blesses you and prospers you. That doesn't mean you're going to have a million dollars or anything like that. That means that He will make all that you have sufficient for all of your needs. He will prosper your way and He will bless what He gives you. And I'd rather have a little with the Lord's blessings than a whole lot without it, haven't you? And so, what uh, God gives you will be blessed. And so he prayed, he says in 146, now always hold your place where we're studying, I cried unto thee, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. So here was a promise of obedience. And then when he prayed, look in verses 147 and verse 148, we'll read both of them, and then talk about when he prayed. It says, I prevented the dawning of the morning. That means that that, uh, he went before, before dawn. I prevented. Remember we, well I said I'd read them both and then I get uh, wanting to tell you about it first, so let's do read them both. I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried. I hoped in thy word. Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. Uh, What I wanted to say is that we use the word prevent means to go before. It means to uh, before or proceed. And remember how we've uh, given you 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 15 is when it says... uh, the dead in Christ shall arise first. We which are alive remain shall not prevent, prevent or go before them which are asleep. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So the prevent means we shall not go before them that are asleep because they're going to rise first. And so when it's talking about when he prayed, it was before dawn. I, It says, I will awake early. In the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. That's in Psalm uh, Psalm 57 verse 8. I myself will awake early. In the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. In other words, go before thee. There's another psalm. Let's see if I can find it. I believe it's uh, 55 and verse 16 and 17. 55 verse 16 and 17 says this. As for me, you know, we need to say sometimes as for me. Never mind what the other fellow's going to do. He can do as he pleases. Uh, we would like for him to do better. We would try to guide him in the way of truth. But anyway, we need to make our decision at some time or other. And the psalmist says, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. And then he says, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray, and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Evening and morning and at noon. Remember, Daniel prayed morning, noon, and evening. And his habit was to pray three times a day. Now then, we don't limit it to three times a day because in this passage we're reading, he says in the night watches, and he says early in the morning, before dawn. So we find in Psalm 119, verse 148 and 49, he says, Mine eyes prevent the night watches. And then in verse 149, I mean 147, he says, I prevent the dawning of the morning. So in two places, he was up and before. The basis of his hope is in his word. First of all, in verse 147, I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried, I hoped in thy word. What's the basis of, God, uh, of our hope that God will hear 
and bless us. It's in his word. And then he says uh, in 148 that I might meditate in thy word. Prayer and meditation go together. When you meditate in God's word, you want to pray. And when you pray, you want to meditate in God's word and latch hold on, upon his promises. See, they go together. It's like song and, uh, and God's word. They're joined together. And so is prayer and meditation in God's Word. Uh, I want you to notice verse 149. Uh, Here it's why he expected an answer to his prayer. Hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness. It was according to God's promise. He knew about God's loving kindness. And that's why he expected an answer. He says, O Lord, quicken me according to thy judgment. He needed new spiritual life. Quicken means we need to be made more alive by the Lord. He's the one that quickens us, gives new life. You say, well, preacher, I had new life when I was born again. Yes, but you need it day by day, too. You see, you not only are born again and have new spiritual life, divine life, but then we need to be quickened. We need, quicken me according to thy judgment. And then I want you to notice that the enemy was near in verse 150, and then God was also near. Look. I want you to notice the enemy was near in 150. They draw nigh that follow after mischief. In other words, the enemies are always round about us. They draw nigh. They're near. They are far from thy law. People that are far from God's law, far from God's word, disregard God's people. And it says they draw nigh that follow after mischief. Don't ever think that the uh, evil one is not close about as well. He's trying to disrupt your life and cause you uh, trouble. And trials and problems. And, but it says in verse 151, look, it says, Thou art near. Didn't we say a, a little bit ago when we first started that when we pray to God that we think He's a long ways off? But He says, Thou art near, O Lord. Where is God? He's near. He is nigh unto all that call upon Him, the Bible says. We don't have to shout to the high heavens to get His attention because God is near. Jesus said, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I, what? In the midst of them. And God's Holy Spirit is what? In our hearts. And God's Holy Spirit is in the church. His presence is near. He says, Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. God's law is true and it's dependable. And then in verse 152, David's testimony. It says, Concerning thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. What's he saying? God's truths have stood true through the ages and are unalterable. That thou hast founded them forever. If you glance back, and it may be a page before in your Bible, but don't mind, it happens to be on the next page. Verse 89, it says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Look at verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And here he says, Concerning thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. My words shall stand. So I think that pretty well sums up that section of this psalm. Let's look at the next section, if you will, beginning with verse 153. And this is a call for God's help. A call for God's help. Notice in verse 153, it says, Consider mine affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget thy law. We said uh, several times in teaching this 119th Psalm that the bottom line is the Word of God. Almost everywhere you'll find the first statement and then the next one speaks of God's Word. Look at it as we go along. The bottom line, the bottom line of each verse nearly is the Word of God. 
Someone says, what's the bottom line? You know, we have that popular thing today. For us as Christians, what is it? The Word of God. God's, our, our salvation, uh, our uh, rules and order of faith and practice. The bottom line. That's the bottom line. And so he says here, consider mine affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget thy law. David asked the Lord to take his case under consideration. By the way, if you'll glance down in verse 159, he says, consider how I love thy precepts. Look at that. Consider. You have it again. Consider. So he asked God to take his, his uh, case under consideration. In Psalm 9 and verse 13, it says this. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Consider my trouble, which I suffer on them that hate me. Thou that liftest me up from the gates of death. He says, consider my troubles. If we want anyone to consider, it's God, isn't it? God can consider. The Bible uh, says, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. God will reason with us. He considers uh, all of our needs. He's not an unreasonable God. If we say, God, consider this situation. Consider my trouble. Psalm 9, verse 13, didn't I say? And yet, sometimes God calls upon us to consider too. In the book of Haggai, if you want to turn. Chapter 1. They had been a long time, almost a hundred years, before they began to build the temple again that was destroyed. And I want you to notice in verse 4. Haggai 1, verse 4. It says... Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste? God is saying, is it time for you to take care of your own needs and live in in comfort and luxury and, and put all your attention to what you want to do and let God's house and let the purpose and things of God go aside? And it had it was laying waste for almost a hundred years. Remember, Nehemiah is the one who said, rise and let us build. And this is in connection with the book of Nehemiah, by the way, if you want to put Haggai in in connection with that. And so what does he say? He says, now, therefore, verse five, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. In other words, consider, are you putting God first or not? Consider your ways. Oh, yes, they were doing a lot of things. He says in verse six, you have sown much and bring in little. You sow a lot, but you bring in very little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into, into a bag with holes. Does that sound familiar? It sure does, doesn't it? If God doesn't bless it, it's just like putting it in a bag with holes and it goes out the bottom fix, uh, faster than you can put it in the top. It gets away from you is what we're saying. It leaks out. And then verse 7, he says again, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And so the whole, the bottom line here was that they had neglected the things of God in preference to doing their own things. You see, it's not wrong to build you a house. It's not wrong to dwell in a sealed house. Most houses have a good ceiling. I mean, I like mine with a ceiling, don't you? But on the other hand, if you do all for yourself and do nothing for God in His house life waste, and you say, well, never mind, I've got my comforts and all I need, never mind God's house. And that's what a lot of people have done today in a spiritual sense of the word. They have neglected the things of God and they've just done what they want to do, period. Instead of some of the things that God wants to do. You can have your sealed house, you can earn your money, and you can put it in a bag that doesn't have holes if God's blessings are upon it. You see, if you obey God's Word, it'll prosper. But a lot of people won't obey God's Word. 
Well, we get back. I don't want to get the whole sermon on that. We could. Let's go back to this psalm. We're teaching. We wanted to finish this psalm tonight. Let's uh, go back to Psalm 119, verse 53. It says, Consider mine affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget thy law. A call for action was based upon his regard for God's law. If you ask God to do something for you and to consider your ways, you need to be, uh, you need to be reminded that it's your obligation to not forget God's word. And he says the reason that he would expect God to consider his affliction, for I do not forget thy law. Look at verse 154. He says, plead my cause and deliver me. He had a need for an intercessor, by the way. We have a need for an intercessor too, do we not? We have a need for Jesus and the Holy Spirit to intercede for us. The Bible says that Christ is our great high priest. He intercedes on high for us. The Bible says you know not what you should pray for as you ought, but the Holy Spirit, He maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So when we fail, we have a Spirit that helps us, the Holy Spirit to help our intercession. So uh, right here, plead my cause. That was an indication he needed an intercessor. And he says, and deliver me, quicken me according to thy word. You see, the word of God also... Uh, shows us that He can uh, give us new life. The Word does give life. The Bible says that we're uh, of His own will begat He us with the Word of truth. The Word begets life. Verse 155, if you will, quickly. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they seek not thy statutes. Why is salvation so far from the wicked? The wicked do not feel that they need the Lord's help. Isn't it the most pitiful case when you find an individual that doesn't feel that he needs God's help? That's a pitiful case. I won't make it personal, but there's a fellow the other day that I said we'll be praying. He said, well, it won't hurt any. I thought, well, brother, it'll help some though too. It's just the idea that it won't hurt any. That's not very good. We need God's help. And the fellow that doesn't think he needs it, it says salvation is far from the wicked, for they seek not thy statutes. That's why it's far from the wicked. And therefore, they, don't, they feel like they do not need God's help. And therefore, they do not get God's help. You see? If you don't need it, he's, he's not going to force himself. Look at uh, Job 21, verse 14 and 15. Let me read this for you. Therefore, they say unto God, Depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. People say, God, just leave us alone. We don't desire the knowledge of your ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve Him? And what profit should we have if we pray unto Him? They said, what good is it going to do if we pray unto Him? It's going to do a lot of good. It has done a lot of good. It is doing good. And it will do good. But you mark those two verses in Job chapter 21, verse 14 and 15. He's kind of like old Pharaoh. Remember, old Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey His voice? When Moses was telling him to let the people go. He says, Who is God? Who is the Lord that I should obey Him? That's what Job said the wicked were saying back there. Okay, back in our psalm again. 119 and verse 156 now. It says, Great are thy tender mercies, O Lord. Quicken me according to thy judgments. Great trials call for great tender mercies. The greater our trials, the greater we can expect God's great tender mercies. And then we find in uh, verse um, 157, Many... Are my persecutors and mine enemies, yet do I not decline from thy testimonies. Look at that. He needed new grace for every trial that came, but many persecutors did not cause him to retreat, yet do I not decline from thy testimonies. Just because you have persecutors 
doesn't mean you should back off from God's Word. In fact, it means that you should stand more with it. The Bible says, uh, Paul tells Timothy, he says, Thou therefore, because you have problems and because you're fighting a battle, thou, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You see, a soldier, Christians are soldiers. Yeah, they are. They're in a battle. And Paul told Timothy, Thou therefore, since you are facing up to the battle, endure hardness, learn to take it as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We used to sing a song, the militant church would sing, Onward Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. And we're in a battle with the world and the flesh and the devil. Don't ever think the Christian life is just salvation and sit down on the bed of ease and forget it. You've got a battle to fight. You've got a battle to fight. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places, in the heavenlies. The devil and all of his demons and angels are after us. The evil angels. And he says, therefore, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And he tells us that armor in Ephesians chapter 6 that we're to put on. Shield of faith, helmet of salvation, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Keep on doing right and preaching right. And then it says, and take the sword of the Spirit. We have the sword of the Lord back there. Get one of those. But we have the sword of the Spirit here, which is the Word of God, right? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And so the Bible teaches that we need to realize what kind of battle we're in. Alright? In verse 157, look at this again. It did not cause him to retreat because there were persecutors. He says, yet do I not decline from thy testimonies. In spite of all the persecution, I do not decline. Verse 158 now, look at it. It says, I beheld the transgressors and was grieved. Does it grieve you when you uh, see transgressors? Transgressors cause God's man to grieve. God's Holy Spirit can be grieved by you and I. The Bible says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Just as transgressors cause God's man to grieve, so do we, when we transgress, cause the Holy Spirit to grieve. We as Christians. And that's why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, I believe it's verse 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. You're sealed, you're sealed with that Spirit, and you're not to grieve Him, because He lives inside of us, and He will be there forever. And then, uh, uh, look at the last part of verse 158. I, uh, I beheld the transgressors and was grieved, because they kept not thy word. A rejection of God's word. Why does it grieve you? Because people will not pay any attention to God's Word. Because sinners reject the Gospel. Because people that are uh, preached to will not heed the Word of God. That's a grief. People want to know what they want to do to get their lives straightened out. So listen to God's Word and it'll straighten it out right quick. If you just follow it. You're on the right path. We had already earlier in this psalm where it says, Order my steps in thy Word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Order my steps in thy word. That was in the 133rd verse. Order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Not anyone. And where was the order come from? Where does the guidance come from? God's word. You know, I talk to Randy and I talk a lot about counseling. 
And I just tell Randy and I tell everybody else, if you want counsel, you come and hear God's Word. The best counsel you can get. A consistent attendance of the house of God and listening to the Word of God will straighten out your life quicker than all the counselors in the county or in the state. If you'll follow it. It'll straighten your life out. A consistent listening to God. Read God's Word when you go home. Study it and pray. And God will straighten your life out. If it's all amok and and running wild and in the wrong direction, if you want it straightened out, you pay attention to God's Word. He says, it'll, he says it'll do that. I didn't say it'd do that. God says it'll do that. All of these statements, you read the 119th Psalm, and if you do not find God's Word, God's statutes, God's testimonies, God's judgments, and the effect upon them dealing with every situation, almost anything that you have to do with, let alone the whole of the Psalms, but in this 119th, it's like a miniature Bible. And it tells you all the things that are to be dealt with. Alright, let's hurry along. Transgressors then, it says in verse uh, 158. Look at verse 159. Consider how I love thy precepts. To have a deep love for God's word. He now asks God to consider his affection for his word. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness. Look at verse 160. Thy word is true from the beginning. It's always been true. Look at that. From Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. Every verse of it, from the first verse to the last, is true from the beginning. And every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. God's Word is true in every age and is true. Our first knowledge of it is true. It's true always. Look at the next section. Persecution and steadfastness, beginning with verse 161. Princes have persecuted me without a cause. Persecuted by princes. The, the rulers and those that are supposed to rule over people and guide people and, and govern people. But sometimes they persecute people. When good kings are in power or good rulers are in power, the people rejoice, do they not? But then when evil rulers are in power, they're made to mourn. The Bible says something to that effect too. Princes have persecuted me without a cause. Look at that. We need to be steadfast in persecution. But my heart standeth in awe of thy word. Regardless of what their princes even have done, and done it without a cause, steadfastness in spite of persecution. Persecution often drives us to sin or despair. It should not. It should bring us close to God. Let me read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you will, and verse 8. Paul says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. You can have all these always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. He said all these things can come upon us, but it's not going to defeat us. All right, let's look at uh, verse 162 quickly. 162. It says, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. The joy found when we discover the rich truths of God's Word. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. The rich truths of God's Word makes us to rejoice. Look at verse 163. It says, I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. You see that? The false is to be hated, and the truth is to be loved. The Bible says of Jesus 
in Hebrews chapter 1. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. Listen. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Christ was anointed with the Spirit of God above all other men. And it says, before that, it says he, he loved righteousness and he hated iniquity. You see, God's not a lopsided God or a one-sided God. Just all love. But there's opposite side. He hates iniquity. He loves righteousness. But he hates iniquity. You see, God has a loving side and there's a judgment upon sin as well. Men don't realize that. But God is going to judge the wicked. God, is, God shall judge every evil work, the Bible says. God is a God of judgment. His throne is set in the heavens for judgment, the Bible says. That's what it's set for. And thank God in Revelation chapter 4, when the saints are sitting around that throne, it's going to be a throne of judgment, all right, but it says there's a rainbow round about the throne. You know what that means? That means that what God has judged, He's promised not to judge anymore. You know? He judged our sins in the person of Christ. And He's not going to judge our sins anymore. He's going to see to it that we get rewards if we've done right. If we deserve the rewards. But every man shall give an account of the deeds done in the body, whether they be good or bad. But there will be judgment, but it will be mingled with mercy because we're His children. And He set His token, His bow in the cloud, in a promise that He would not flood the earth anymore with that judgment like He did before. And he set a bow in the cloud as far as you and I spiritually are concerned that what he has judged in the person of Christ as far as our sins are concerned. He's not going to hold us accountable for those anymore. They've already been judged. Been paid for by Jesus. Alright, let's look. The next verse. It says, uh, <clears throat> verse 164. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. In other words, a frequent praise because of God's righteous decisions. Not just once a week or occasionally. Seven times a day is to indicate perfection or completion or continuous praise because of what God has done for us. You know, the Christian child of God ought to always be grateful. Ought to always give thanks. We, we have so much to be grateful for. Louise and I went to uh, Roswell yesterday. It seemed like everything we did, there was a blessing in it. You know, God blesses you. He just does. He is a blessing. He is a God that blesses. And on every turn of the way, it seemed like there was something new and something good and some blessing coming. And in verse 165, look at this. It says, Great peace have they which love thy law. The secret of great peace is what? To love God's Word. It says in Philippians 4 verse 7, The peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. The peace that passeth all understanding. You say, well, I don't understand the great peace that God gives me. I don't either, but it says it'll keep. It means it will uh, garrison or uh, surround you or control you and rule you and be as your protector. And it says, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You ever seen folks that boy, they go around and there's a little chip on both shoulders, at least on one. And brother, they just dare you to touch it. Just dare you to knock it off. If you don't carry any chips on your shoulders, you won't have any problems. Just don't carry them around. Say, get rid of them. Fella, I don't want them there. Then when somebody says, I'm going to knock that chip off, say, where is it? I didn't know there was one there. Just have at it. I don't have one you can box against. It's your, you're just like fighting the air because there's nothing there for you to hit. 
If we can get the right attitude in our Christian life, things won't be near so bad. So it says, um, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Verse 166, Lord, I have hope for thy salvation and done uh, thy commandments. Always he's, he's obedient to God's word. I have hope for thy salvation. Hope and obedience go together. Hope and obedience go together. See, I have hope for thy salvation. And he says, and done thy commandments. I've been obedient. Verse 167, My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. David's obedience was uh, based on love. He loved God's testimonies. Obedience based on love. And I love them uh, exceedingly. Look at verse 168. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies, for all my ways are before thee. David's obedience was from the heart. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies. It was a deep-rooted thing in his life. For all thy ways are before thee. All my ways, rather, are before thee. Do you know that God knows all about your heart? David knew that the Lord knew his heart. All my ways are before thee. Does this mean that it was sinless? No. Or had never gone astray? Certainly not. In fact, in this next section, we'll get that he has. We'll go ahead and get this one. It's, it's not too long. I'll give it to you. Beginning with uh, verse 169, he says, Let my cry come near before thee, o, o Lord. Give me understanding according to thy word. This is the last division of this psalm, and each verse begins with the letter T-A-U, or in our alphabet, it would be the letter T. Each verse... In this section, begins with the letter T. We'll just say the letter T. Here, if you'll notice right before this section, it says T-A-U on your Bible. And that's the last letter, the last division, the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And this, each verse in this series of eight verses, begins with the last letter. Now, you don't find it here in our English translation of that because it wouldn't correspond. But in the Hebrew alphabet, it would be, each verse would begin with that. It says, let my cry come near before thee, O Lord. The final plea uh, to God, as he makes a plea, uh, for understanding was based upon God's word. He says, O Lord, give me understanding according to thy word. Give me understanding. Here's a psalmist, here's a psalm writer, David, David, a man after God's own heart. David, a man that uh, knew the word of God. David, a man that was close to God, and David, very intelligent, and especially in spiritual things. And he says, O oh Lord, give me understanding according to thy word. It's another plea for understanding. You know, the man who thinks he knows it's hard to teach, and he usually knows nothing as he ought to know. The more I study God's word, the longer I live, the more I realize how little I know. How little I know about this. So much wealth of knowledge in God's Word that it would take five lifetimes to even touch it. That's the only thing. I, I, that's the only thing that disturbs me about getting old. It's not the other, other parts that are involved. Other things that are involved. It's that uh, my my time is going to be limited not to know all of that I can know about God's Word. I can't know it all, and neither can you. It's inexhaustible. And so he says, "Oh Lord, give me understanding according to Thy Word." And then he says in verse uh, 170, look at verse 170. Uh, Let my supplication come before thee. Deliver me according to thy word. He needs deliverance. Deliverance is sought according to God's word. Notice he prayed and he says, my cry, my supplication is the way David prayed. 
let me uh, take you to verse 171 and we'll try to hurry. It says, My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. Praise is promised if his prayer was answered that he knew his statutes. My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. You see, he needed to learn prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Then verse 172, if you will. My tongue shall speak of thy word. When God would teach him, he would teach others. Look, in verse 171, when thou hast taught me thy statutes, he says in verse 172, my tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteous. David was willing to teach others the great truths of God's word. That's why God gives, gives us the word, is that we can teach some, someone else. You see, God doesn't give you His word just, just for your sake. It's for someone else's sake. Remember what Paul said to Timothy? He says, that which I've committed to you, you give commit unto faithful men. You give it to faithful men. But you've learned of me. He says, commit unto faithful men, that they may be able to teach others also. And we try, as we're preaching the Word, we've been, I've been trying to preach the Word here in this church for 37 years plus. And I've tried to commit what I have to... to I, I don't hold back anything. I try to... You know, some people say, well, save that for another time. I don't want to save it. I want to give it to you now. You may not be here the next time. And besides, I might not think of it then. And so I want to give it to you right now. And then you take it, and you take that into your heart, and you give it, pass it on to someone else in your due time. Maybe in the Sunday school class this coming week. And maybe next week. Maybe next year. I don't know when it'll happen. But you take it and absorb it. And so he says, My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteous. And then quickly, verse 173, Let thine hand help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. He needed God's help, didn't he? Divine help is asked because he had chosen God's way. If you choose God's way, you are well able to ask for God's help. You see, a lot of people ask God's help, but don't, do not choose God's way. That's a tragedy, isn't it? Say, Lord, you help me, but I'm not going to listen to you. But they, here it says, let thine hand help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. And then verse 174, I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. David longed for complete salvation with delight in God's word. Thy law is my delight. We're to long for God's word, aren't we? Paul said, I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him. David wanted more than an existence in verse 175. He says, let my soul live. He didn't just want to exist. Let my soul live, and it shall praise thee, and let thy judgments help me. David wanted more than that existence. He wanted new life. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it, what? More abundantly. Now look at this last verse, if you will. Praise promised from a spirit-filled life. It says in verse 176, we're going to find that David's honest confession now. It says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. What's an honest confession here? I have gone astray like a lost sheep. The Bible says we all like sheep have gone astray, everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And the Bible says all have sinned come short of the glory of God. The Bible says if we say that we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves. And David's call for a shepherd. The Bible says you were as sheep going astray, but are now returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. He says, for I do not forget thy commandments. He wanted back into the fold. He's like the prodigal son that returned. He says, in my father's house there's bread and enough to spare. I want to give you a quick review of this psalm in five statements. The theme of this psalm is the Word of God. The theme is the excellence of the Word of God. Secondly, 
This psalm contains several prayers, outbursts of praise, confessions, and promises of, of obedience. David expressed his need for, un- number three, David expressed his need for understanding, for divine aid, for protection, and the quickening power of the Holy Spirit. And David maintained his steadfastness, his faith, his loyalty, notwithstanding all his trials. And last of all, David realized his unworthiness before the Lord, but trusted in his great mercy. 